I'm going to start with a difficult question this morning. And it, it, on the surface, it doesn't seem all that difficult, but when we really dig in and, and kind of get a, an understanding of what that's about, it, it gets a little tougher. Uh, the question is this. How well do you communicate? How well do you communicate? Now, that, that again, seems like maybe it's a, a fairly easy question to answer. But communication can be very, very difficult. Uh, several years ago, uh, you as a church sent uh, Pastor Tim and Cindy and I and four others uh, to Uruguay on a mission trip uh, where we were with Tim and, and Ruth uh, Stuke, who are now in Spain. At that point, they were, they were in Uruguay. And uh, we went and, and spent uh, several days with them, and, and we did prayer walks and other ministries that uh, we were able to uh, enjoy with them. But one of the things that we had said going in that we didn't want to interfere with their regular work, the things that they uh, had to do. And so um, we kind of worked around their schedule. Sometimes we joined them in things they were doing. Uh, but there was one particular evening that uh, they both had responsibility. And so we were on our own for the evening meal. And uh, we had been at a mall that was close by. It was within walking distance. We'd seen a, a pizza place that we thought that'd be a good place to go. So we get to this pizza place and encountered immediately a problem. Nobody there spoke English, and none of us spoke Spanish. So we didn't know what we were going to get, okay? So we're looking at the menu, and we could pick out, you know, some words that uh, kind of looked like the English words, or we had enough uh, understanding of, of the Spanish language to figure out some of the main toppings. But there was one that we just couldn't figure out. And we kind of struggled with it, and, and after some uh, contemplation, we called our waitress over and threw a bunch of hand motions, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but could you tell us what? <laughs> you just speak English louder, they'll understand, right? <laughs> so finally, with a lot of laughter and a lot of uh, uh, hand motion, she begins to try to explain. She understands then what we want. She begins to explain what this item is that might be on our pizza. And finally, in frustration, she grabbed a napkin, and she drew what we were able to discern as a pineapple. Now, I could comment on pineapple on pizza, but I'd probably get in trouble. But it was, it was uh, uh, we tried to get her to give us a napkin so we could take it home as a souvenir, but she wouldn't do that. Uh, but it, it kind of pointed out that the difficulties that we have in trying to, to communicate with people, especially if they don't speak the same language. This is an example of, of the frustration in trying to, to kind of get to that point where you understand one another. But there's another fact that I want us to consider this morning. Even if two people seemingly speak the same language, they're not necessarily communicating. It's a commonly held belief that, that most relational problems, especially uh, things that I deal with, some marital issues at times with people, uh, that communication or the lack thereof of communication is one of the key elements that causes us struggle. I've sat in the room with, with people that uh, this person has said this and this person has said that, but they're so interested in what they're saying that they're not interested in what they're hearing. And therefore, communication is not even happening. See, there's two aspects of communication, uh, two issues that we need to keep in mind. One is what is being said 
And the other, of course, is what is being heard. And sometimes those are, are two very, very different issues. So the question again is, how do you communicate? Today we're going to test that. We're going to take a test. It's not going to be one of those on the screen where you have to, to write down an answer or identify something, but it, it's going to be a test throughout the morning where we can answer that question, how well do I communicate? What are my communication skills? Well, we've been talking about, and, and I believe it's vitally important that we know how to communicate with each other. It's even more important that we know how to communicate with our Lord. And, and quite honestly, that's the focus of our morning, is how well do we communicate with our Lord? And you remember there's two aspects of communication. What do we say and what do we hear? This is crucial for God. This is a, a very, very crucial item for God because he is a loving father and he wants to have a relationship with his children. And I said just a moment ago, it's no different between man and God than it is between two individuals that to have a relationship, communication is key. So for God the Father to, to solve this communication issue, to make sure that we're doing well at this communication issue is very, very, very important. And it's equally important for us because we want to know God's mind. We want to know how to do his will. But there's a, a third test that we're going to have this morning. And it, it, it's just a, another purpose. See, God's desire is that we also are adept at hearing uh, his voice and that we're not confused by Satan's voice. Scripture tells us that Satan can masquerade. He can pretend to be an angel of light. He can uh, say things that sound good, and, and oftentimes he says that through people. So we have to learn some discernment in our communication. We have to learn how to understand when and where it's God's voice and, and push aside all of those other competing ideas and competing voices. We need to be aware of God's best. So today we're going to test our ability to discern just who it is that we're listening to. It's what the Apostle Paul, in some of his writings, calls testing the spirits. We're, we're in 1 John chapter 4, and John uses a, a very similar uh, phrase in testing the spirits, listening to the Spirit. Is this the Spirit of God speaking to me? Or is this Satan trying to confuse me this morning? The good news is, as Christ followers, we already have everything that we need in our lives to pass this test with flying colors. We don't have to, this isn't a message about how do we, how do we add new uh, abilities or new gifts to our, our existence so that we can discern the voice of God. This is just unpacking those things that God already has put in us through the presence of his Holy Spirit, through that, that gift of salvation, how to just uh, energize those in a way that allows us to make good decisions. Our goal this morning is to simply assure that we're intentionally using all of those resources at our disposal. We're going to find this list of resources this morning in, in 1 John chapter 4. I'm just going to be looking at the first six verses of 1 John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, 
uh, please follow along in your Bible and, and uh, leave that open on your lap. We're, we're going to come back to it real often this morning. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. We're going to discover this morning, God has given us a process to discern truth, which we can use to protect us against Satan's attacks. What an amazing truth that we're going to uh, kind of unpack and, and look at that we can apply to our lives this morning. God has given us everything that we need to be able to avoid the lies of Satan. And as we go through this morning, one of the things that we're going to discover is those lies can be very, very, very subtle. They can be very appealing. And that's why God wants us to be on our guard. Will you bow with me? Father, I, I just thank you today for the amazing opportunity that you give us, not only to, to be hearers of the word, but, Father, to be doers, to be those that apply the truth of the word to our lives. And, Father, what an important truth you've given us today. Lord, I just pray against anything that Satan would do to uh, confuse us, even during this time. Lord, shut down any, any communication that he would try to have uh, with our spirit today that would distract us, that would draw us away from this truth. I pray this in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. John begins by sharing that discerning truth requires accepting that lies exist. Now, that should be an obvious, but I, I really want us to grab hold of this truth. It requires accepting that lies exist. Look at verse 1 again with me. It says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This truth goes against everything that we are encouraged by our world to accept. We're told that, that we can uh, and even should believe and trust our government. We should trust the things that we're told about our, our world in the media. We should trust those in authority over us. Those are all things that the world tells us are dependable. I remember the first time that, that I was really challenged in my life with this understanding. I was taught by my mom and dad that, that I should respect those in authority over me, and, and particularly my teachers. Uh, they always said that, you know, if you, if you disrespect your teacher, if you get in trouble at school, you're going to be in the same trouble at home. That was just a rule in our house. And so I was raised with an understanding that, that those people were, were worthy of my respect. And I did that fairly well, I believe. Uh, I know this is going to kind of break some of your hearts, but I only got a paddle once. 
and it hurt, so I didn't do it again. But I tried to do my best until one day, it was in ninth grade, I remember it very, very clearly. I was in ninth grade and, and Mr. Davis was standing in front of our, our introduction to biology class. And he was uh, talking about the beginnings of our earth. And he wasn't just laying out the theory of evolution, but he was, was using scripture and, and breaking scripture apart and, and ripping it to shreds so he could prove that evolution was the correct theory, or the correct truth, as he put it. So I was at a, I was at a quandary. Do I show disrespect in, in arguing the point, or do I just simply sit and listen? I made a decision at that point, and I spoke up. I don't remember what I said. I don't remember if I said it correctly. But I knew that, that there was something in me that had to speak out against that untruth. And in that moment, my worldview changed. In that moment, I understood very, very clearly that I was up against, as a Christ follower, even as a teenager, I understood as a Christ follower that I was going to be facing those that didn't always project the truth. There were lies out there. There were people who weren't going to see things the way God had presented those things to be seen. So this caution, to test what we hear, rings true for us. But I want you to put yourself, if you can, just for a moment, in the place of, of these first century readers of this letter from John. There were those who, who taught with authority that they had the true message from God. The church did not have, at that point, two millennium of history on which to fall back. They had limited copies of the Old Testament, and, and part of the problem with that was that the Old Testament, those that did have copies, were part of the problem. They existed mainly within the, the Jewish synagogue, and of course, uh, most of those were denying even the, the deity of Christ and denying that he was the Messiah. A few of Paul's letters had circulated at this time, but, but they wouldn't have been in any organized fashion. So this lack of communication left a spiritual vacuum that could have easily been filled with whatever sounded good to the listener. And if the speaker claimed that his message was from God, what are they going to do? I will occasionally have people say that to me. That they, they, they're having conversation and they begin the conversation with words similar to this. God is telling me to... Now, when I hear those words, I, I pay really, really close attention. I want to be clear this morning. It's not that I'm the only one that can hear truth. It's not that, I, that only pastors are, are able to discern what is right and wrong. In fact, many of you, I'm sure, hear and understand God's truth uh, far better than I at times. That's why we're the body of Christ. That's why we, we need each other. But when I hear those words... I, I, I kind of spark up just a tad. Because it, it seems like when people say uh, that, that they've got a message from God, that just eliminates any argument. It eliminates any ability that, that we might have to confront that. Well, that's just not true. That's just not true. It's exactly the situation that John's talking about here. He's not calling us to write off these people or, or their messages. 
but he's simply asking us to test what they're saying so that we're not led astray, so that we don't get pulled in simply because people are claiming that they're speaking for God. I once had a man that I knew very well. I'd known him for years. Uh, we had actually uh, sung in a quartet together. Uh, and we went to the same church. And uh, he came to me one time and he said this. He looked me in the eye and he said, Mike, God has told me to divorce my wife and to marry the wife of, a, of another man. I looked him back and I said, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. God, I, I know God's character. No, he didn't. Well, I, I learned that he and this woman were already in an affair, and he did break up two marriages. But he tried to explain it away by saying, uh, God's voice has told me, what was he really saying? This feels good to me. I, I, I'm taking this good feeling, I'm taking this comfort that I get from this decision and, and, and I'm applying it, or I, I'm saying that it comes from God. We need to test the spirits. We need to make sure that, that our listening ears are attentive to what God is saying is truth. Sometimes the lies are, are, the lies are a lot more subtle than that. And sometimes they're even very credible. John is just calling us to, to use diligence and discerning what's actually from God. To assist us with this purpose, we now see how we're equipped to deal with potential deception. As this morning, we learned that discerning truth requires knowing, believing, and living the truth about Jesus. Knowing, believing, and living the truth about Jesus. Look with me at verse 2 again. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. There are two aspects that we have that, that to our ability to test the message of someone to see if it's from God, and, and we'll unpack them separately. I'm going to give them both to you right up front, but we'll deal with each separately this morning. The first is this. We must discern from the life of the speaker if they are a true disciple of Christ. And we'll talk about what Scripture says that looks like. So first and foremost, we need to, to, to look at the life of the, the individual and discern if, if they actually are hearing the voice of God. Secondly, we must assure that our commitment to the truth of God and the truth of, of his word is secure so that our spiritual ears are working properly. By the way, we need to be really, really careful here. And let me give you just, just this little bit of a warning. We need to be sure that we recognize the difference between the call to discern the spiritual condition of those who would give us a message from God and simply being judgmental which Jesus condemns. Discernment is looking at the fruit of one's life and comparing that with what we know to be evidence of a disciple that we find in Scripture. We have the ability, and not only the ability, but we have the calling to do that. 
And God's given us the tools to be able to do that. On the other hand, judgment, uh, being judgmental is comparing the life of another against our own expectations. Oftentimes in an effort to, to strengthen or affirm our own worth. When a person claims to have a message from God, these are the evidences of a true spirit that we should look for. First, do, do they acknowledge that Jesus is God? John has, has wrapped a lot of theology into a, a very concise package when he states that a true messenger acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. In that, he affirms that Jesus is fully man and fully God. If God's, uh, he affirms God's purpose in his redemptive work on, behalf by on our behalf by reminding us that Jesus has come in the flesh. Now, in that simple phrase, uh, John is not unpacking all of the truth of the gospel. But what he is doing is he's giving us enough of that uh, indicator to acknowledge that Jesus is who he said he is, that we can go to the rest of Scripture and, and understand the, the core of the gospel and understand what are those things that must be understood about Jesus if someone is truly, truly a Christ follower. This short phrase serves as a reminder of, of all we know from Scripture, of the purpose and the work of Jesus. We know that for a teacher to simply acknowledge the fact of the existence of Jesus intellectually is not proof of their authenticity. In James chapter 2, verse 19, he tells us that even the demons believe that and tremble. They believe that Jesus is truly God. They understand who he is, and in that they tremble. Demons are not Christ followers. And so it's not simply a verbal uh, or a, an intellectual affirmation of that truth that we're looking for in someone. We know that even for a teacher to claim faith in this truth is not proof of authenticity. Jesus said that many will call him Lord and even prophesy in his name, but when, when they come to judgment, he'll have to say, I never knew you. There was never that personal commitment to Christ. It was just a lip service that they gave. So what is John calling us to this morning? He's calling us to look uh, for uh, the things in those people who claim to have a message from God and, and those people of faith that is evidenced by a transformed life. We're looking for fruit. We're looking for fruit. Everywhere in, in the Gospels, Jesus uh, identifies his followers by their fruit. By their fruit, they will know him. And so as we get to that point of, of evaluating if this message is from God or if this message is not from God, we have the ability to ask the question, do I see the fruit of God's Spirit in their life? Do I see evidence of obedience to Scripture? Do I see a heart that desires for them to, to pursue God with everything that they have? Those who don't exhibit this truth are said to, to have the spirit of the Antichrist. From the, our, our discussion a few weeks ago, we know that this term that John uses in his letters refers to those that are intent on destroying the truth of the gospel. And here he says it's the spirit of the Antichrist which already exists, that, that influence of Satan existed from the moment man sinned. As we mentioned earlier, 
The second part of this discernment equation is our ability to truly recognize these characteristics in the one that we're evaluating. And to assure this, we must know for certain my spirit has the qualities from God that I'm searching for in the one being tested. In other words, I don't have the criteria to make good discerning decisions about the message of others unless I know the truth of the message myself. And not only do I know the same things apply as we talked about for the other, not just that I intellectually understand it, or not that I, I just claim some uh, act of faith, but that there's fruit in my life. I evaluate me first. I look first at, at what God is doing in my life. And when I'm sure that those things are in line, then God's Spirit has a, a free conduit. He has a, a free method of working through me, of, of speaking through me, and discerning through me the motives of those who are talking and claiming to have a message from God. God's Spirit in me is the tool that I use to determine if I can detect God's Spirit in the one claiming to have truth. This is an amazing gift from God. This is an amazing gift that God has provided for those of us who have the Spirit of God in us. If we are a Christ follower, Paul is very, very clear in Romans that the Spirit of God lives in us. We sang about it this morning. That's part of our, our theological understanding. And with the Spirit of God indwelling me, I have all the resource I need to be able to discern the truth of others. We'll talk about that a little more here in a second. We do not have to fear being deceived. We simply must be diligent when the test comes. Our key is to focus on what people believe about Jesus and how that truth has transformed their lives. All this must line up with, with what we know about the character of God. Let's go back to my example a few moments ago. When that, that man said to me that, that God had told him to leave his wife and to marry another woman, how did I know that that wasn't a message from God? I know God's character, right? I know God's character. I know what God says about the sanctity of marriage. I know what God says about the, the act of adultery. I know what the, the fruit of his life was in having an affair. That message was not from God. And it was very easily discerned when you know truth. In their description of Jesus, it is not uh, Jesus that you know. If someone comes and, and gives you a message and, and it just doesn't feel right because of, uh, of its contradiction, to the character of God or its contradiction to, to who you know God to be. We need to, to shut off the ears. We need to not allow that to influence our understanding of who God is. If their lives don't represent what the Bible teaches us, that Jesus expects of us, we don't listen. If we don't see the fruit of God's spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, if we don't see those things that in action in their lives, we don't listen. Allow the Spirit of God to be your guide. Which brings us to a very exciting reality, that discerning truth requires aligning the message with the Word. We've alluded to that. I, I just want to focus on that for a moment. Aligning the message with the Word. I want you to look with me at verse 4 again. It says, You, dear children, are from God 
and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is how we do it. This is how we recognize. This is how we know to whom we should listen. Our greatest protection from being deceived is outlined in the promise of verse 4. We are the winning team. We just sang about that. We, we see the victory. We are on the winning team. Verse 4 again says this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is what? Greater. The one that is in you, who's that? God's Holy Spirit. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who's that? That's Satan. We've already overpowered the enemy. We've already ha have more resource and more available truth and more ability to discern than, than the enemy. Why? Because the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. Greater is he that it is in us. Wow, what an amazing, amazing truth. As dearly loved children of God, we not only have his spirit to protect us, but we have his word to guide us. The contrast between those gifts in our lives and the pathetic message that the world is ready to accept is huge. The lies become more evident as we uncover and apply and absorb more truth. John's picture of the world, both in this letter and in, in his gospel, is a place of hatred toward God and a desire to, to fill selfish desires. I want you to think about some of those things that we've heard about of late that are, are creeping into, and, uh, into the church and that, that people are uh, absorbing and, and kind of latching on to. One biggie that, that's been out there for quite a while now is, is a teaching that there is no hell that there is no retribution for those that, that fail to come to relationship with Christ. Now, do I like the, the, the reality of hell? No. That's why I want to make sure everybody understands that's not a, an option they have to choose. God has given us everything that we need to come into relationship with him and avoid that. But scripture is very clear that hell is a real place. And there will be people that will go there. That's not a pleasant thought. Other things that we've had to deal with is that truth is relative. That, that the truth that was, was maybe good for our grandparents is no longer good for us because society has changed. And so we have to shift with society. We have to, to shift with, uh, with, with the way the world is going and, and kind of get on board and accept those things that maybe weren't acceptable in the past. We're taught that whatever feels right, as long as it's loving, is okay. Where do these come from? Where do these teachings come from? Besides being contrary to Scripture, they all appease man's desire to feel good. They all appease man's desire to, to simply get along, to be happy. They all appease man's desire just to, to, to have some kind of peace in this world. 
What are they missing? Those are already fruits of God's Holy Spirit. I can have all of those things in spite of the negative circumstances around me. I am a person already endowed with love and joy and peace and goodness and patience. And, and all of those fruit of the Spirit, they're part of who I am. And Satan cannot take those away. So I don't have to adjust my theology. I don't have to adjust my belief system in order to feel good about who God is. His word is very, very clear. We're reminded that we're stuck here for a while. We're living in this world for a while. And the world is not getting better. It's not getting easier. It's not getting more comfortable. But God is the same. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We're stuck here for a time, but by being students of God's word, we're sharpening our understanding of the difference between what the world says is joy and peace and what God says is joy and peace. And when we hang on to that difference and we, we understand that from Scripture, our discernment becomes a lot more clear. People who are deceived are people who only see what the world wants them to see. People that are deceived are, are, are looking only for their own fulfillment. But people who hold firmly to the truth are people who know the word so that when we know the word, the lie is more evident. I want you to listen again to the promise of the verses that we just read. Look at verse 6 with me. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. If we know God, if we have that, that firm relationship that's pursuing the spirit of God in our lives, and, and we're making sure that we're spending time understanding the truth of his word that, that empowers the spirit of God to work through us, then our communication skills are at their peak, and we have nothing to fear. The overwhelming hope of this message is that we've already passed the test. We've already passed the test. As Christ followers, we have all the resources of God at our disposal to keep us from being deceived by the lies of Satan. Even those subtle ones, as we grow in our relationship with Jesus and we understand the word of God, we gain ammunition in our battle with the forces of Satan. With that being said, we go into battle with no fear. We go into battle with confidence. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Will you stand with me? Father God, what an amazing truth. What an awesome understanding of the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, what a, what a joy when we understand what it means to have God in us. Father, I pray today for those uh, in the body of Christ that uh, are enjoying the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray that you strengthen us, that you empower us, that you encourage us, that you embolden us to stand against those things that are displeasing to you. 
Father, keep us from error. Father, keep us from the lies of Satan. Lord, I also pray for those that are discouraged today. Those that, that, that have questions, that are uncertain. Father, maybe those that uh, haven't really accepted that, that understanding of the fruit of God's Spirit. I, I, I pray that even today, Lord, they would seek out uh, someone they trust and come to that place of, of repentance and of faith. Father, as we go from this place, I just pray for a, a spirit of unity, a spirit of, of grace and of peace. And Lord, not to, to view people that teach untruth as the enemy, but to understand, Father, that uh, Satan is our enemy and that you have already conquered him. Give us that hope today, I pray, in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.